And good afternoon, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Brunch with Tony, and I'm your host, Tony Defio. Thank you, as always, for joining me on this fine Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning, maybe wherever you are, Saturday evening, if you're in another country. Either way, I'm so glad that you can join me, as always. And before I begin today's show, I'd like to encourage you to like and subscribe to Behind the Steel Curtain's YouTube channel. We have podcasts each and every day. We have Standard as a Standard. We have Yeah, I Said It. We have the Homer and the Hater Show. We have Steelers Preview. We have the Stat Geek. We have Steelers Q&A hosted every Monday at 5 by Brian Anthony Davis and yours truly. Then after that, on most Mondays, at least in the offseason, it's just retro show where we talk about the uh, some great Steelers memories from the past. And then during the regular season, the Steelers Q&A turns into the Steelers hangover where we discuss the previous day's Steelers game. So please uh, tune into all those shows. Check them out. They, are, they provide great Steelers content. And of course, as always, uh, check out Behind the Steel Curtain, the website on a daily basis. We bring you 10 articles each and every day. We have breaking news, commentary, film breakdown, the whole works. Like we like to say, it's your one-stop shop for all your Steelers news. And we have some uh, some great news this week. Jeff Hartman has come back to, to rejoin the site. He and Dave Schofield are going to be co-editing the site for, for, you know, for the 2020 season and beyond. And, of course, we have everybody else, Michael Beck, Brian Anthony Davis, yours truly. The list goes on and on and on. Jeffrey Benedict. So just please check out that site. It's uh, it's, it's really great. And uh, we're looking forward to to uh, giving you Steelers news on a daily basis now that training camp has begun. And the, the regular season is set to kick off in about, what, six weeks? Today's August 1st. I can't believe it. So. Hello to everybody in the live chat. Mark Davidson, Ezra, Snowman, the, the famous snowman, Lynn Fenwick. T Money, I love that name. Hey, Terry, my friend Terry. All right, I, it, it took you about one second, but I caught it. Terry's a great, longtime Pittsburgh sports fan. He he uh, he went to Pitt. He, he has season tickets to Pitt and Pitt football and basketball. I almost said Penn State. That's a that's a no no to say that to Terry. But anyway, he, he's he's a, he ushers Pirates games, Penguins games. He's a, a great fan. He has a lot of great stories. I love talking to him. So I'm, I'm glad he's uh. He's in the live chat. Rodney, Wes Hickok. Wow, Wes is back. All right. So, as always, I want to talk about a few things on today's show. And the first thing I want to talk about has to do with Steelers training camp and how it basically started in conjunction with the start of Major League Baseball's regular season last weekend. And following last weekend's games, particularly the series between the Marlins and the Phillies, uh, several Marlins players tested positive for COVID-19. I think as of Monday, it was 14. And then throughout the week, it the tally increased to 18. I think it's 18 between players and staff. So uh, obviously with that news on Monday, uh, the Marlins series against the Orioles was, was postponed. The Phillies, who were, again, who were playing the Marlins last weekend in Philadelphia, their series with the Yankees was postponed. So Immediately after one weekend, uh, there was there was great concern that baseball season would have to be shut down. You know, 
and uh, you know we we've made it through a through the first week or so of of baseball, and and things are are, are still pretty pretty rocky. Last night's I think it was Brewers Brewers game was was postponed between the uh, Brewers and the Cardinals because a couple of Cardinals players tested positive for the virus. So uh, I guess after after everything happened with the Marlins, it was uh, discovered thanks to some baseball insiders like Bob Nightingale, who appeared on 93.7 The Fan last, I think, Monday or Tuesday. It was discovered that some Marlins players, at least a couple, maybe even more than that, went out on the town in Atlanta when they were when they were in, in, in town for a, an exhibition game against the Braves, I think on July 22nd. So that's what helped lead to the spread of this virus. And I mean, it really, uh, again, it really it rocked baseball. And, it, and it, if you're a football fan, it had, it had to be unsettling and disconcerting for you too, because like baseball, uh, the NFL is not going to be operating in a bubble city. You know, the NHL and, and, and the NBA, they, they set up bubble cities. The, the basketball's going to be playing its playoffs in Orlando and they, they, tipped off, I think, Thursday night, and they played games that night and last night. And the NHL is going to be in Edmonton and Toronto for its playoff, for its Stanley Cup tournament, and that's that begins today, actually. So uh, those two organizations, I mean, they had some problems early on with, with uh, positive tests, but as of early last week, both leagues had like two weeks' worth of testing results come back and zero positives, which is great. And it, it, it tells me that, number one, the bubble – concept is working number two uh frequent testing is important number three that these pl- these players maybe the most important part is these players are taking responsibility and obviously you can't say the same thing about the about what wh- whatever marlin's player or players went out on a town in atlanta you can't say that about them they, they you know they're obviously not not taking it as seriously as they should i mean baseball laid out a bunch of ground rules for this uh for this unprecedented time of trying to, to start a season during this pandemic. And, and, you know, one of those ground rules was uh, please stay home or in your hotel rooms as much as possible. Uh, uh, order takeout instead of going out to restaurants and, and clubs and bars and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess uh, some Marlins players just did not seem to care about that. And, you know, you could test all you want. You can, um, you could do, you could practice social distancing on the baseball diamond. You can avoid all the contact you want. But if 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 you go outside your theoretical bubble and and, and don't do what you're supposed to do and don't do what the what your what the what Major League Baseball laid out as far as its guidelines, it's it's you obviously you run the risk of 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 contracting this virus and spreading it around. And, and what wound up happening is it wrecked four teams schedules last week. Now, fortunately for baseball, you know, baseball being what it is, in fact, that there, there aren't any fans in, in t- attending these games. Can you imagine if there, are, if there were fans that, and ha- having to move around schedules with, with tickets sold and all that stuff. So uh, the Orioles and the Yankees were able to play each other last week. And again, it's easier to do for baseball and, and and the Phillies and the, and the Marlins will have time to make up their games, and you know you can do double headers, and you you can play on off days, and you can basically play baseball every single day, right? But you can't do that with football. I mean, I think we all know that it's 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 it's, it's that doesn't have to be stated. You know, if if the season starts and 
you know, half of a team test positive for, for the coronavirus. Well, I mean, you're going to have to shut that team down. And if you shut that team down, you're going to have to shut down the team that was going to play. I mean, who knows what, what happens? I mean, you can't just make up games in the NFL. How can you do that? You, you know, you can't even use the bye week because you would have to have, you would have to hope that your team and another team that, that was on the same bye week as you both had outbreaks at the same time. That's the only way it would work. I mean, I, I try. I was trying to. I was writing about this on Thursday, and trying to figure out the logistics. And I, I, I still can't. I was trying to write it down and everything. I can't figure out how they would even do it, because uh, uh, what are you going to do? Play a have a two team. Like what? What if the, another team that's on a bye? didn't have a problem with this. Like say, say there's another team that's on a buy the same week as you, but they didn't have a problem. Are, are they going to, are they going to play an extra game just so you can make up yours? You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I think these, these, um, these leagues, all four of them, all four professional leagues have gone to great lengths to, to make things safe for the players. I mean, as recently as a couple weeks ago, guys like JJ Watt were very vocal about, about why the NFL was dragging its feet. And I, I don't know why it took, it took so long to hammer out. I mean, anytime, as I've said before, there's problems with, with, with between the owners and the players, you know, when, when, when you're dealing with a union situation, you know, you know, there's going to be a lot of different opinions and it's going to take a while to hammer out details like the opt out and things of that nature, but they got it done. They got it done. But just because they got a plan in place, it, it, it's still the, the players have to take responsibility for themselves too. You know, it, it's up to the players to, to be also be safe. You know, it's one thing to go on Twitter and say, you know, we want to play and, and we, we want our safety, our, you know, our safety should be the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you should take responsibility for that too. Because if, if just a few players are irresponsible during this time, I mean, it, it, it could mean the end of the NFL season well before it even begins, or it could mean that the season is, is postponed for a month or two months, or, or like I talked about before, we, we, we might be dealing with like an eight week season or, or a six game season or something like that. Like what baseball is going through with a 60 game season. Right. So, you know, I mean, it, it might seem ridiculous to, to talk about things like, Oh, you can't spit and you can't chew ch- sunflower seeds, you know, for baseball. And, but even as, something as simple as not uh, giving each other high fives, I thought that was forbidden. And I saw players doing that. So I, I read about it. And sure enough, the commissioner has a big issue with that. Like, so if, if you can't even prevent yourself from, from like doing the, the, the Oakland A's, the old uh, Bash Brothers thing, you know, I, even, you know, if you can't prevent yourself from doing that, uh, what does that say? You know, so just take some responsibility because you know, it's, it's, do you want to be the player or players that, that leads, that lead to a, an entire season being shut down and, and you, you, you cost thousands of, of people a year's salary, you, you know, you, you infuriate an entire <laughs> fan base, national football league fan base, millions of people love, love this league. And, and, you know, we, we, you're not going to have a hundred percent negative test. I mean, that, that's, that's ridiculous for me to even say, but if, if all these guys or most of these guys are, are responsible, then you can, you can, you, you probably can't manage it throughout the, the season. You know, you have practice squads, you can, 
sign guys off the street, although I guess they would have to be quarantined or, you know, who knows. But all I know is if if a certain percentage of, of breakouts occur, it's not going to be as easy for football to manage it as it is for baseball right now. And even baseball is talking about uh, shutting down soon if they don't get their act together in terms of of how players are behaving and 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 what they're doing, you know, after games. You th- think about this: if if these players are being tested regularly, right, and they're all coming back negative, and and if, as long as they're they're behaving properly and being responsible and doing as, as the right thing as much as they can, uh, playing against like banging into each other on a football field, playing on playing baseball, playing basketball, playing hockey. You shouldn't be able to. If they're all negative, then the the virus can't get spread around, right? I mean, that's that seems to be common sense. So, so I think it's incumbent upon the players, as much as it is the, the leagues, the owners, the and the coaches, to to preach uh, responsibility. As it, you know, you, you know. So uh, that'll be interesting to, to see. Like we have, we're we're a week through uh, uh, Steelers training camp and. Already, Justin Lane, the cornerback from that they drafted it from Michigan State last year, he's already been placed on the the COVID IR. I, I don't know if he's if he tested positive or if he knew somebody who tested positive or if he was in close contact with somebody who did, but he's already on IR. And 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 that's that, that's that's uh, honestly that's good because they caught it early and he can distance himself from the team until he's uh, clear to play again. But. Um, Again, you know, if we if we got if we had gone through one week of training camp and and Justin Lane and and ten or eleven other Steelers had tested positive for this virus or or any team in the NFL, if that happened after one week of training camp, I think they would have probably shut down by now. That's that's just my that's just how I think I think that would have happened. So these guys just have to be responsible because because uh, again, they're just as much. They have just as much responsibility as as the people who are in charge of these leagues and 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 who are in charge of uh, uh, designing these these protocols. So, so that's my first topic, and my second topic has to do with Mason Rudolph and the fact that there are no, there will be no preseason games this summer. And I, I said last summer at this time that. If Mason, if, if Mason Rudolph is the heir apparent, if they, if they had designs on him being Ben's replacement, well, he's going to need as much exposure as possible in, in the preseason. And he's going to have to play as much as Landry Jones played in like the 2015, 2016 era when he basically played every snap except for a few series when, when Ben would play the second or third game, whatever. I forget how, I think it was the third game. That's the, uh, the dress rehearsal. So, that's that's what Mason Rudolph was going to need. Of course, he got he got some unanticipated exposure last year when he when he appeared in ten games and start, started eight when Ben got hurt. But uh, I was interested, like a lot of people, in seeing the progress that he made off of that roller coaster ride of a season last year. You know, he wasn't horrible, but he wasn't great either, and he he looked like a backup. I mean, the stats were very backup like. Uh, what do you have? Seventeen hundred hundred. Uh, passing yards, 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions. You know, he didn't set the world on fire. He looked like a backup. But again, uh, those numbers weren't good enough uh, for in a lot of people's eyes, 
you know, and, and they wanted the team to go out and sign a, a veteran backup to, to, to back up Ben in 2020. And that never happened. The, the team stayed uh, uh, by Rudolph's side and, and they, and they uh, endorsed him and, and, and they gave him a vote of confidence. The coach did, the GM did, the owner did. Everybody said that they were comfortable with the quarterback situation. So I think we all wanted to see the kind of progress that Rudolph made off of you know based off of last year and we're not going to get we're not going to get to see that now we might hear about some things uh throughout the course of training camp how he looks you know is he does he does it seem like he knows the playbook better does he seem to be taking uh have a better command of, of his teammates and the huddle that kind of thing and maybe he does display that kind of uh improvement in 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 practice and in training camp but you know without facing uh opponents in preseason games maybe maybe we'll we'll never really know uh, and he might never he might himself may never truly know how far he's got how far he's come uh since last year so that's to me that's the the, the biggest disappointment of there not being any preseason games i mean i get it i get the, i get it they want to minimize travel and they want to minimize exposure and they don't want to put their they don't want to risk anything in meaningless games but for backup quarterbacks, young backup quarterbacks who are who are still trying to find their way. I mean, somebody like a Mason Rudolph, he really could have used uh, some preseason action uh, this year. So it's a it's a kind of unfortunate in his case that that he does he won't get that because you know there's a lot of young guys that are going to be in in his boat, the same boat as him, uh, who are are going to make the team based off of of training camp. But at least they're going to have some opportunities to play during the regular season. They're going to get in. They're going to get some backup snaps. Uh, they're going to to uh, play on special teams. Well, a backup quarterback doesn't get that luxury, right? You know, as you know, he's just thrown in there at a moment's notice if the if the uh, the starter goes down or if he's struggling or whatever. So it's it's uh it was one of those years again where Rudolph could have used some uh, some preseason exposure and he's not going to get that so to me that's i think that's the, the biggest issue with not having preseason uh as it, as it pertains to the steelers anyway because they're not going to they're not going to know truly how how far uh, rudolph has progressed so that's my second topic and my third topic of the day my third and final topic although i might some i might some might throw some other things in there but of course i'll take some questions afterwards is I want to talk about social media and the Steelers' participation in it, NFL players, how they, how they, uh, uh, how active they, 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 they are in today's day and age. Not just NFL players, but but athletes in general, right? They are very, very active on social media, and this this ruffles the feathers of a lot of people. You know, a lot, a lot of fans they think that that these guys should be focusing on on their craft twenty four seven, and and while I'm fairly confident that they are uh, putting in the the required amount of work on their craft, whether it be football, baseball, basketball, hockey, when they should be, um, the fact that they're that that they're on social media it gives that perception that they're slacking off and they're they're having fun when they should be when they should be working, right? That's that's just a perception that fans seem to have, right? And um, 
like Zach Banner has been in the news the last couple of weeks for, for be, being very vocal on social media. We, you know, he, he's very funny, very entertaining. You know, he actually, he's a very good troll. If you've ever seen him on social media, like he doesn't, he doesn't suffer foals very easily. You know, if he, he usually gives as good as he gets and, you know, people, they look at that and they say, Oh geez, he should just let that stuff go. And, and he shouldn't, uh, get in these kind of battles. But I mean, does it really matter? I, a lot of people think it does. I happen to think that it does not. Like for example, him and him and Stefan Tuit have been in, in, they were in the news last week because Tuit was very vocal about the anthem and, and, and how he's going to stand for the, for the anthem during the season. And, uh, and Banner, he t- tweeted back saying, look, you don't speak for all of us. You know, we, we all have different opinions and you know, this got in the news and people were talking about it and, some uh, talk show hosts were, were trying to use it as, a, as an example of that the Steelers don't have, they lack leadership, and this is why they haven't won. And to me, that's all BS. That's just, none of that matters. None of that, just because players are on social media, doesn't mean that, that the team lacks leadership. And it's not a distraction. It doesn't have anything to do with them winning or losing, you know. Uh, and, 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 and like the tried and true thing that people always say is well back in in the 70s uh i I couldn't see guys like mean joe and jack lambert and all these guys i couldn't see them on social media yeah like maybe if you if you jumped in your delorean and and you and you went back into in time to like 1975 and you handed mean joe and jack lambert cell phones they might have like oh my god what's this crap you know lambert might have thought it was a fancy lighter for one for for his cigarettes but if they would have grown up in in the social media age, if social media was around when, when they were coming up in the league, you don't think those guys would have some things to say and, and, you know, you you don't think they would have had, had uh, opinions about, about life and society, you know, opinions that might've even differed from yours. It might've made you mad, you know, Um, like Dwight White. I mean, he he was, he's, he was always very outspoken uh, about, you know, how he, how he came up and, how he came up through the civil rights movement of the late 60s. You don't think he would have he would have had some things to say about that kind of stuff and if he was on social media in the 70s? Of course he would have. You don't think Terry Bradshaw would have had some things to say about how the fans were treating him and how he th- how he thought Chuck Noll was treating him back in the day? You know, his his struggles early in his career and how he wasn't the most popular guy on the team and how the fans and, and the media were were calling him dumb. Of course, he would have, he would have had some things to say about that. He's a he's an outspoken guy now. Why wouldn't he have been back then? Doing you know if he was if he had access to social media. Uh, and you don't think these players would have would have uh, perf- vi- you know, posted links on social media of of themselves uh, doing commercials? I mean, people were were giving Juju some crap last week because he was he was you know, dancing in uniform and dancing in like a, a yellow, uh, some like outfit, but he was, he was, uh, filming a commercial, I guess for a video game or something. I don't know what it was for, but people were, were giving him crap about that and saying, this is why he's, you know, you know, that's why this team never wins. And first of all, the guy put on like 10 pounds of muscle this off season. So either he's dedicated or he's not, you know? So, these guys were doing commercials uh, 40, 50 years ago. And if social media was around, they would have been 
they would have been uh, we would have known about it because they would have been posting it on their on their social media platforms. So, and guess what? At the end of the day, none of it would have mattered. They they all would have won just as many Super Bowls as they did in the seventies. They would have won four. They would have won two more in the two thousands. Social media wouldn't have distracted any of these guys from winning anything. You know, uh, again, I think we, we put too much stuff in, into we, we, we put too much stock into these kind of things. I, I, I've always believed that because I every every team has issues. Right. You know, like what's what's going to cause a, a, a bigger distraction? Stefan to it and, and Zach Banner going at it on Twitter or Stefan to it and Zach Banner fighting each other in practice, which happens all the time in NFL training camps. Uh, guys go at it and, and fight teammates fight all the time and they're able to get past that. So if they're able to get past that and win, then they're going to be able to get past uh, disputes on social media. You know, it, uh, these are all just things that we use as crutches when our team just isn't good enough to win, you know, and, and a perfect example of that is a few years ago when Mike Tomlin had his famous or maybe infamous inter- interview with Tony Dungy and and he referenced the uh, the, the the Patriots uh, big the big Patriots game coming up in, in December, and and he kind of alluded to a a rematch in the playoffs, and people use that as a after the fact they use that as an excuse or, or a reason why they lost to the Jaguars in the playoffs. So they overlooked the Jaguars because they were worried about the Patriots. No, they lost to the Jaguars because the Jaguars were a miserable matchup for them in 2017. And they did to them in the playoffs exactly what they did to them in the regular season, and that's blow their doors off, especially in the ground game. You know, they came in here in week five that year. It, it, they came into Heinz Field and, and just, I think they rushed for, what, 200 and some yards. And, and they took the football away, and they scored defensive touchdowns. And they did the exact same thing in the, in the playoffs. It was just a bad matchup. Colin Cowherd had a, uh, a stat leading into that playoff game that throughout the course of NFL history – Teams that blow out, uh, that, that win by 21 points or more in a regular season, win the, the rematch, the playoff rematch, almost like, like 90% of the time. And that's exactly what happened. If you want to blame anybody for, for what happened in 2017, blame Al Riveron for, for basically screwing the Steelers out of a win over the Patriots. You know, the Jesse James touchdown that wasn't. And uh, costing Pittsburgh the number one seed because if the Steelers win that game, they get the number one seed. The the Jaguars probably get the number two seed, and the Patriots probably drop all the way to number three seed. You know, and 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 if the Jaguars are really that bad that year, why did they not only beat the Steelers up, but they had a ten point lead against the Patriots in the AFC Championship game at Gillette Stadium a week later? They were like minutes away from making it to the Super Bowl. They were just a really good team. And a really bad matchup for the Steelers. And as Stan Saverin has said often throughout the years, it's the matchup that makes the match, right? You know, like people people uh, talk about that that infamous Week Three game against the Bears, and uh, you know, the reason why they some players have said this too. Uh, the reason why they lost that game is because they were distracted from the tunnel incident, uh, really. And it wasn't the fact that the Bears just rushed for two hundred and some yards on the ground against them. They did the same thing to them that the Jaguars did to them twice. They just they, their defense wasn't that great in 2017. Did, did that tunnel thing have have anything to do with Chris Boswell's 
field goal getting blocked at the end of uh, the first half and being taken all the way back down to the other end of the field. And that led to another, that led to a bears field goal. So instead of a, a uh, three points for the Steelers, it was a six point swing the other way. And this is the game that went into overtime. So, you know, I think these are things that, that, that we just, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's like when you, um, when you go on a couple of dates with somebody and it doesn't work out, Instead of just admitting that, eh, that person probably wasn't into you, we always have to come up, we always have to rationalize why it didn't work out, right? Oh, she, maybe she's too busy. By the way, I'm not, I'm not speaking from personal experience. This is, I'm talking about a friend. Uh, you know, maybe, she's, maybe she's too busy or maybe she's just getting over a relationship, et cetera. We always try to use, like, make excuses instead of just admitting that maybe we just weren't a good fit. And when it comes to, to wins and losses in the NFL, we always try to, try to create reasons why instead of just admitting that perhaps the other team was just better or just a, a, a bad matchup in the case of the Jaguars. So, you know, um, people always talk about like maybe the most famous speech in Steeler history was the, 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 the small one that Chuck Noll gave uh, a week before the AFC championship game in, in 1974 versus the Raiders. If you remember that, if you, if you know anything about that, you know, that the Steelers, uh, were going to Oakland that that week to play, and and the, and the Raiders had just come off a dramatic victory, last second victory over the Dolphins in the divisional round, like like the day before, a couple of days before, and people were calling that Super Bowl eight and a half. And John Madden said it was like, well, anytime you have the two best teams in the NFL going at it, you're going to have a game like this, and you know. So Chuck Knoll said, in you know a team meeting a day later, a couple of days later. You know, the Raiders act like they won a Super Bowl yesterday or Sunday or whatever. And, the, the you know, the, the players went nuts. And he said, the best damn team in the NFL is in this room right here. And, you know, the Super Bowl is not for another three weeks. And, you know, players to this day talk about that game and how it motivated them. And Joe Green has said many times, they the Raiders did not have a chance. They had no chance. It didn't matter where they played, what time they played. They just did not have a chance against us. And they, they, they credit that speech. And I'm sure that speech was important. I'm not, I'm not trying to discredit it. I'm sure it was important and effective in that it, it, it instilled a, a belief in the Steelers, a team that had never won anything, you know, that, that they were a darn good football team, right? That they had come of age, right? The, the, the Raiders had just knocked off the Dolphins, who were the two-time defending champions. So it just seemed natural that they were going to, they were going to take that next step to the Super Bowl and not the Steelers. And Chuck Noll was just reminded, you know, hey, look, you guys are, are are pretty darn good too, and you're the best team in the NFL, and don't you forget it. So it was, I think it was effective in that regard, but I think people act like the Steelers just went to Oakland and just blew their doors off, but they were losing 10-3 heading into the fourth quarter. So it, they were so inspired by that that fire and brimstone speech by Chuck Noll, who which he something he rarely did, rarely did, that they were trailing by a touchdown late in the game. You know, uh, the defense obviously got the memo because you know they dominated the Raiders all day long. I think they limited them to like 22 yards rushing, but the offense they didn't get the memo, and and it took them a while to wake up. So, you know, I think I think we again we put too much stock in 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 in, in pregame speeches and 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 quotes and and mantras and mottos and and t-shirts and all this other stuff that really doesn't matter 
You know, I think it, 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 at the end of the day, it's all about talent. And if you want, the, like the best example that I've heard recently, something that seemed to go over everybody's heads a couple months ago. If you remember the the James Harrison interview with Willie Cologne, the one that was uh, that led to Envelope Gate, right? You know, that's the thing that everybody talked about after the interview that Mike Tomlin handed him an envelope sometime back in 2010, and it, it was implied that it was to cover a fine because he was because Harrison was fined many times that year for illegal hits. And some people even went so far as to say it was for a bounty on the uh, on the Browns or whomever. Uh, but the thing that got lost in that interview, I think, was the fact that Harrison admitted it. He and several of his teammates would often go. This is back during the Super Bowl era of the 2000s. They would often go out uh, during the week and even the night before games to the wee hours in the morning. And some of them wouldn't even go home. They would just show up to the facilities the next day for for weight training, you know. Uh, he, he said they would go out like 25, 30 at a clip, 25, 30 players at a time would, would, would hit the clubs like three or four or five nights a week, you know, and yet they still managed to win a couple Super Bowls and make it to a third. So what does that tell you? It tells you that that talent triumphs over everything else when all is said and done. Right. You know, uh, they used to talk about Ken Stabler. He would he would uh, be reading the playbook. Studying the game plan by the light of a jukebox, like hours before he was supposed to go out and, and play an important game. You know, he even said this himself. I mean, Ken Sever was great. He was like one of my favorite players ever. Even though he played for the Raiders, he was a lefty quarterback. That's why I liked him. But anyway, uh, he once said, "You know, I never understood why why you needed eight hours sleep to play a three hour game." You know, like th this is stuff that you hear now and you laugh about it, right? You chuckle, but if that happens today, like pe people lose their minds, right? But I, I just think I think a lot of this stuff is overblown, and, and and it's 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 like like the Joe Namath guarantee, right? The famous guarantee by Joe Namath before Super Bowl three. His coach Weeb Eubank was just beside himself because he was playing the underdog card, right? You know, oh, uh, we're the itty bitty little Jets of the AFL, and they're the big bad Colts, so we don't stand a chance. And then Namath blurted out, "We're we're going to win the game, I guarantee it," and it just ticked. You bank off. You banks off. And Namath said to us, he said that he told his coach, look, if the Colts need motivation at this point to, to win a game, then they're in trouble. And of course, he was right because the Jets dominated that whole game and and made NFL hit or football history because they were still the they were the the, the, the merger wasn't official yet. So those are my uh, my three topics of today, and and uh, now I'll open things up to questions. So fire away. There's there's the there's some people referencing the snake. Uh, who we got here? Steelers Pittsburgh. The snake was quite the character, indeed he was. One of those players that probably couldn't uh, get away with some of the things today if he were playing because it's just a different different time. But I think it it's also a great example that that maybe we're a little bit too serious about things in 2020 and that a lot of stuff that we can consider a big deal and, and has to do with winning and losing really doesn't. It's just about, you know, showing up on time, working your butt off, you know, whenever you're supposed to be there for practice and, and uh, playing the game whenever you're supposed to play the game, like all this other stuff, you know, social media BS. That's just, it's just, it doesn't really, I, I again, it's just, it's just, to me, it's just nonsense, and it's something that people look to when they want to make excuses for why 
a team doesn't win. Ah, Donna Nolan. Wow, maybe I'm maybe I, I'm missing on a, on a career. I got inspired by you repeating Noel's speech. Well, yeah, obviously because uh, it came from a great man, and and I could never come up with that by myself. I mean, if I was standing in front of Mean Joe Green and and Jack Lambert, I'd probably wet my pants. I wouldn't know what to say to those guys. They're like, oh, you guys know what you're doing. You go right ahead. I'll I'll stay here in the locker room while you play. Let's see. Here's one. Here's a five dollar uh, super chat question from Snowman. Thank you for the donation, Snowman. What's with the Duck Dynasty look? Is that me or or you're talking about Devlin? If it's me, I just shave once a week. I don't really. I don't really. Uh, my face is uh, very sensitive to to shaving, and I try to keep it to once a week. You know, I don't like beards. I don't like growing long beards, but I don't like shaving all the time either. So I try to keep it in between, you know, I, I rotate my, my, my facial hair. Like I rotate my clothes, clothes once a week. Like I, if you see me every Tuesday, I'm probably wearing the same thing every Thursday. And if you see me every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, my, my facial hair is the same length every same time each week. I'm a very predictable man. Let's see. Here's one from another one from Donna Nolan. Didn't Matt Hasselbeck do the same thing but lost in a playoff game? Yeah. Yeah, he said uh, he said we're going to we're going to take the ball and we're going to score. But I don't think that had to do had to do with why they lost, why he threw the interception. He probably would have thrown it um, whether he said that or not. I mean, he was he was Matt Hasselbeck. He was an okay quarterback. He took the Seahawks to the Super Bowl once, but he wasn't great, you know. Uh if you really want to, like, like, like Anthony Smith, people always refer, re- reference Anthony Smith and how he guaranteed that that the Steelers were going to beat the Patriots in 07. And uh, people said that the Patriots were motivated by that. The Patriots were just beating the crap out of everybody that year. And if Anthony Smith was the president of the Tom Brady fan club, he still was going to be exposed as he still would have been exposed as, as a pretty average to below average safety who didn't who didn't last very long in the NFL. So. You know, I, I, it, it was more comical that the Patriots were offended. And even Mike Ditka said this when he was an NFL analyst. Like, after, he was on the a local radio station after that game. I think the Steelers lost 34 to 13 or something. You know, the Patriots had their way with him. And he was, he was like, I can't believe the Patriots were that worked up over Anthony Smith. I mean, they were. They were like, like Tom Brady was jawing at him. Uh, uh, Bill Belichick had some snarky things to say about him in the, in the post game. So I'm like, you guys just won three Super Bowls, you know, back then. And you're worried about anything that Anthony Smith has to say. So to the point that you're fired up, come on, you think that really mattered? Do you think that would have changed the result of that game? One single bit? No, Anthony Smith, not being very good and not knowing his assignments. That's what led to that loss and that blowout uh, loss to the Patriots. So. Let's see here. Andrew Wilbar, Wilbur, Wilbar has a question. Whose stock goes up the most these next two weeks for the Steelers? Well, I'm thinking probably one of the rookies because we don't know anything about any of those guys yet. I mean, we know what what the uh, veterans can do. We know what some of these young guys can do, but we had nothing, no idea what the, what these youngsters can do. So. Uh, pay attention uh, to what you hear about guys like Chase Claypool, Alex Highsmith, Anthony McFarlane, 
Kevin Dotson, uh, Antoine Brooks, who's a six-round pick, who um, a lot of people said he was just he was drafted lower than he should have been. Um, those kind of guys. Carlos Davis is that, is that your seventh-round pick? I, I always forget that guy's name. But here's a guy who is considered a great athlete in in at Nebraska. I think he ran a four point eight two forty. But uh, a lot of people said the reason why he was such a, a low draft pick and why he has such a low draft profile grade. NFL.com uh, uh, rate him fairly low is because he was out. He, he wasn't in a, in a proper system at Nebraska. And if he gets, comes to the Steelers and, and, and gets in, gets, you know, their, their coaches get their hands on him and, and can influence him and teach him. And, and, and if he's a quick learner, maybe he's, he's a real diamond in the rough. So th- those are, I think it's, I think it's your rookies, your undrafted free agents. Those are the guys who, who, whose stock can only go higher. Of course, uh, consequently or, or conversely, their stock can also drop based on how they look, you know? And, and, and so I think it's, it's the rookies like Ben, as long as Ben doesn't get hurt, I don't think we have to worry about him. He might look rusty. He might look sloppy a little bit, but as long as he has the same zip on the ball that he always did, or he did pre-injury, then I think you don't have to worry about him. Guys like Juju and James Conner, I think they're going to look good at training camp. Like the guys that have been around usually look good in training camp. Like even even Artie Burns a few years ago, you you heard stories uh, of, of how good he looked in training camp. I mean, once you're in a system for a few years and and you and you know the playbook and you and you you understand the 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 routine, although it is a diff- bit different this year because of of having training camp at Heinz Field and. But you always hear stories of players uh, looking really good once they've been in a system for a few years. I mean, you even heard stories of Landry Jones looking good in training camp. You know, so uh, I, I don't think it should you should worry about any of those guys. It's going to be the rookies that that whose stocks are going to fluctuate, uh, especially early on. And it's going to be interesting to see how they look once the the uh, pads finally go on in, in I think August seventeenth or the fifteenth. So. Here's one from Snowman. Which running back does, doesn't make the Steelers roster? Well, I think Trey Edmonds is, is, the, is the first one who's, who's not going to make it. Uh, obviously, James Conner is safe for another year. It's, it's his final year of his contract. Uh, Benny Snell is coming into his second year. Uh, Kareth White, he's uh, I think he he's def- definitely on the bubble. Even Jalen Samuels. I, I like Jalen Samuels. And I, I, I think that they'll keep him around for another year. I think he's versatile. But I could also see where he he could get cut because you know he's a fifth fifth round pick and maybe there's just not enough room. Maybe they like maybe they like Kareth White a lot. Maybe obviously they're not going to cut McFarland unless he's a a total a nothing burger early on in camp. So I think he's safe. So I think it's between right now. I, I think Trey Edmonds doesn't have have a spot, but it's probably between. Kareth White and Jalen Samuels. The new guy they signed from Philadelphia, people were, were making a lot out of that, but it's probably just a camp body, you know. Uh, people were, were speculating because it was a name that, you know, maybe there's something going on with an injury or maybe somebody tested positive for COVID. But I think we would have heard about that by now. So I just think they, they signed him, you know, as a camp body. Same with uh, Curtis Riley, the safety. Although he does have some recent NFL experience. And if you're looking for, for some depth, there's a guy that could perhaps provide it. I think he's a safety. I want to say so. Yeah. 
What else we have here? Uh, what happened? Lance Quinton. Yeah, well, things change, right? I mean, uh, we have to remember. Here's uh, Dolan Nolan. What happened? Lance Quinton. Jeff is back. When did this happen? Last week. But um, you know, people may may not be aware of this, but but this isn't. None of us do this full time. So you're always going to have people coming and going. You know, I think I'm an outlier. I've been here for 10 years, which is pretty unusual for for this this uh, sort of industry, you know, the the, the fan site kind of industry. So it's just people come and go all the time. So I, it's really all I, all I know about that situation. Here's another five dollars from from Snowman. I, I don't call him our resident. Uh, uh, now I can't think of the name. Robin Masters for nothing. Riley became our will become our third safety in 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 deep coverage. Hey hey I, hey you never know. I mean they're definitely lacking in, in safety depth. That's for sure. And this is a veteran, so you know maybe by the end of the summer or early in the season we'll be praising the Steelers for for a great pickup somebody that they they found on the scrap heap and who's provided them with some uh with some 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 quality depth because they, they certainly that was certainly a concern going into in the into the draft and they didn't really address it in free agency and and uh obviously antoine brooks is is a is an unknown and and, and jordan dangerfield is is essentially a special teams player so they could certainly use some depth there so thank you again for that uh that that donation snowman all right let's see what else we have here here's one from ezra it's more of a comment let's see what he has to say the silver lining with this damn virus is we have coach and quarterbacks that have been together for over 10 years browns the bungles the crows i guess that's the ravens can't say that yeah well i mean obviously the the uh, john harbaugh has been in baltimore for for as long as almost as long as tomlin's been in pittsburgh but Lamar Jackson's young, and they have a, a rather young team in Baltimore, even though they've had some success the last couple of years. So, yeah, that's a good point. And and the Steelers are at least on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they, you know, their offensive line's a veteran group, and obviously Ben's Ben. Connor's a veteran now. Juju's, even though he's really, really young, has been in the system for a few years. Even James Washington, Vance McDonald, Eric Ebron's a veteran, you know, uh, Guys like Cam Hayward, to it, they've been around the block. T.J. Watt's a veteran now. I mean, he's coming into his fourth year. He's a he's a veteran. He's a, he's one of the best defensive players in the NFL. So, Minka, uh, Joe Hayden's a veteran. So yeah, I mean, this is a veteran team. They have a veteran coaching staff. So, as I've said repeatedly, when it comes to unprecedented unprecedented times like this, it's going to be the teams that don't blink, the teams that, that are able to, to, to just stay focused, even though their routines are going to be all screwed up. And even though there aren't going to be any fans in the stands, the teams that remain focused are going to get through this and they're probably going to be the ones that prosper and the ones that, that, uh, that, that go on to have good seasons. So I, I like the fact that Tomlin's been here. What was it? be his 14th year, I guess. Yeah. 14 years, 2007. Yeah. 14 years. And and you know he's he's understands adversity because he he's had some teams that have gone through it. Uh, last year with the with, with with everything that happened with Ben, 
10 years ago, the stuff that happened with Ben, um, the, the early 2000s when, when the roster was, was, was changing drastically, all, all the uh, Super Bowl heroes were, were, were getting old and, and getting cut and retiring. And it looked like they were going to fall off a cliff and he kept them in contention, you know, especially 2013. I mean, they very easily could have lost 11, 12 games that year and they wound up finishing eight and eight and they probably shouldn't have made the playoffs. So, I mean, it's good to have a veteran coach. It's good to have a veteran a lot of uh, veteran players on your team at a time like this. So uh, that's pretty much all I have for you guys today. It was a, it was a fun show, and uh, I look forward to talking to you with Brian on uh, on Monday. You guys have a great weekend, and thanks for for everything you do and and for always participating with me and helping me get through every each and every show. I'm still still learning and still trying to to become good at this. So. So hopefully, hopefully today's show was great, and uh, I'll talk to you guys on Monday, and then I'll talk to you next Saturday for, for another edition of Steelers Brunch with Tony. So have a great weekend, everybody.